Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, thank you everybody for writing those nice things about the podcast. I really do appreciate that. Some of the uh, some of the reviews you guys did when all I asked you to do was drop a five star was um, above and beyond. So thank you. I really, really do appreciate that. And uh, if anybody else wants to do so, I would appreciate that. Also, um, you know, one of the things, and this is not to, it's going to come off as, as horn tooting, but I, I really am trying my best not to do it that way, uh, was kind of talking about going deeper beyond the box score, which is always what I want this show to be. I want this show, for those that are listening, you, those of you that have been with us for four or five years or however long this thing's been around, you guys know what I'm about to say. But to those that are newer, or brand new, you know that my goal with this podcast is to teach you how to do it yourself, which is uh, from a how long can you keep somebody listening standpoint, an idiotic marketing plan. It's a terrible marketing plan because the end result should be you kind of graduate from this podcast and just go do it. Now, I'm lucky that most of you like to stick around and and continue to just listen to me ramble on a day-to-day basis. But if you didn't like that, I hope that most of you could just go and do it yourself. Like, you know, with, with Kevin Durant this year, for instance, we talked through the handicapping on that. And obviously, a lot of things can still go wrong. There's no horn tooting going on now. To this point, everything that we were looking for with KD has come true. We said, hey, he's got one of the best shots to be the number two player in fantasy. And frankly, he would be right now if it weren't for Shea Gilgis-Alexander going so completely bat bleep nuts that he's number one. And then it's Steph and KD and Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. Didn't see that one coming. But then Jokic, he's in there. Embiid is 12th after his Mondo game. He's power boosting his way back up the ranking. So, like, that type of stuff, I hope that when we talk it through during the offseason, you guys can then come back and be like, all right, how did we get to this point? Could I do this myself? I think you guys can. I really do. I hope so. I really do. Uh, Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. We are in, uh, we have officially now completed four weeks of basketball. So we're at, I don't know, what is that? Like the 20% mark of the season, roughly? Something like 20, uh, 20 regular season weeks in the fantasy season. Sometimes you guys are doing 18, cut it a little shorter. I get it. And what this means now is that things are beginning to level. I think last year, someone tweeted it at me, and it was this, it was a silly thing we were talking about last season. Thank goodness you guys have better memories than I do. I think we called it the great leveling or the great settling, I don't remember, I think it was leveling. But it's basically that, at what point during a season do we now kind of know what a player is? And four to six weeks in, you kind of know what a player is. Now that doesn't mean there aren't going to be adjustments and tweaks, and there are certain things that are like real obvious, like Anthony Edwards, who is at 137 right now, but largely because he's become something of a punt free throw guy. Not like a full punt free throw guy, but like not all that far off. And that was not something that anyone expected. Even with the fade that we had on him this year, I thought, all right, he's going at like in the 20s. I'd rather have him near 40. 140? No, 
Definitely didn't see that one coming. But, like, you look at last year, and, you know, Edwards had a good season. He was number 44. And the, the huge difference, like, if you look at his numbers year over year, his turnovers are up a little bit, but, you know, maybe that comes down. He's dropped 12% at the foul line from basically a net neutral to a large negative. You can do the same math on this season if you want. Just turn on the punt free throw number in whatever your uh, board is that you're working with, and you'll see Edwards jumps back, like, not that far from where you might imagine he would be. I think he's, like, in the 70s at that point. For the Three-pointers are a little bit down. I think steals are a little bit down. So you level all that off, and, and he works his way towards top 50 again. But, like, we don't know. Will his free throws be bad all year? I really don't know. Some, Especially these guys that don't have a ton of seasons under their belt. They could just become free-throw yips guys like AD. He's been better this year, admittedly. But, you know, there are a couple seasons in there where Anthony Davis just couldn't hit a free-throw. And it happened to Russ... And it's happened to a lot of dudes lately in the NBA. So, all that to say, you can start to now remake your predictions based on things that have happened this year. There's this, like, if you're making... I'm going to steal the uh, um, the Arrested Development bit with Carl Weathers. I don't know if you guys are big Arrested Development fans, but remember how... Uh, David Cross's character hires Carl Weathers to teach him, like, how to be an actor. And instead, Carl Weathers just teaches him how to, uh, like, save money through ridiculous penny-pinching moves. And he's talking about, like, how you t- take a bone. <laughs> when you finish your, your dinner, you take the bone home and add some stuff and you got yourself a stew. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way I feel about rest-of-season projections right now. Because at the beginning of the year... Your entire projection is built on what you handicapped before you saw a single game. Every week, your rest-of-season projection becomes built a little bit more on what you're actually seeing happen. So Larry Markkinen came into this season with an ADP that we knew was dumb uh, because we had seen him very early in his career before Jim Boylan whacked his brain out. He was on, way, on his way to being a top 50 guy. Now, in Utah, instead, he's rolling top 25. So how much of that do we take from our preseason handicap of, like, 50 to 70 range, and how much of this do we take from the 25 range we see now? With every week, a little more of your projection becomes built on what you've seen. So now maybe you... I think most folks would look at Larry Market and say, hey, look, there's a very real chance that he's a top 40 guy this year. I don't think that many people are like, yeah, he's a top 25 guy all season long. But I also don't think very many people are still looking at him as a top 60 or later guy going on. So you've started to move the rest of season number, the projection on players, closer to what you're seeing happen in real life. And that opens up buy and sell possibilities that might not have existed two weeks ago. When most folks saw marketing get off to a crazy start and said, yeah, crazy start. That was the reaction to it. Now it's, yeah, crazy start, and he really does look good. There's a couple things happening. It's happening with Andrew Wiggins also. I admit it. I looked at that, and I was like, that's a freaking crazy start. I still think he falls back, but with every passing week, you know, the very first week I thought, all right, this dude falls back towards top 90. 
By the second week, I'm like, all right, maybe top 80. Third week, okay, maybe he's like top 70. Now he's done it for four weeks. I'm like, all right, maybe Andrew Wiggins really is going to have like a top 60 season this year. Because his steals, blocks, and threes are all really high. His field goal percent has stayed up. And his free throw percent, typically bad, is meh. With every passing week, expectations move towards where a player actually is. So, if you're looking at the board right now, and you see a player who's not where you think they end up, you're more likely to be able to either get them or sell them than you were a couple weeks ago. And we'll keep that in mind as we talk about certain buys and sells moving through the board. I wanted to talk a little bit about that kind of stuff at the beginning today because yesterday's card was actually not super compelling. We're going to go through it here anyway, but I thought it was actually more worth our time to talk a bit about how perception now is beginning to mush with reality in a way that off after right after draft night, draft night, perception, reality, it, it didn't matter. Whatever somebody did on the first night of the season, nobody really cared. They were still whatever they were when someone drafted them. Al Horford is actually a really good example of somebody coming from the other direction. Got off to a crazy slow start. And after two games, three games, four games, I had people asking if they should drop Al Horford, the starting center for half the season here, for one of the best teams in the NBA, who just put up a top 40 year last year, where he was only the starting center for like 20 games. And this year it's going to be more like 40. Well, lo and behold, he's been rolling in the mid-30s in a per-game basis after those first three slow games, and now he's up to number 65. So people are starting to believe now what they're seeing here instead of those first three. It just, these things take time. We, and this is a thing that happens on Twitter all the time, and I'll bring this up as I go through some of the results from yesterday's card. Uh, we all want to react to everything that happens on one night. Whatever the most recent night of basketball was, that's the only thing that matters. Mason Plumlee is the perfect example of this. He had a huge ball game yesterday. 18 points, 10 boards, 3 steals, a block, 8 out of 9 shooting, made both of his foul shots, and just a, a, a stellar ball game. I mean, there's no, there's no way to sugarcoat or under, what, what would be the opposite? Spritz, like salt it, pour salt on it. But, He's still number 150 on the season. And yeah, you got to look at, like, what have you done for me lately? Over the last week, thanks to that massive ball game, he's up to number 67. But we have to remember, Mason Plumley is basically a punt free throw guy. Okay, we can't just throw that out the window. Over the last three weeks, which is... Uh, 75% of the season, you wipe off the first couple of ballgames where he was extra bad. He's still outside the top 140, largely because he's been a punt free throw guy over that stretch. And over the last two weeks, he crawls inside the top 100, despite being a little bit of a punt free throw guy, because again, like the rebounds, the assists, that's good stuff for him. 64% from the field, that's good stuff. What you've seen from Plumlee over the last two weeks, 11 and 10, with four assists, a steal, good field goal percent, real bad free throw. That's good Mason Plumley, And that's fine. But there's very much a what-have-you-seen extraordinarily recently biased thing happening here where we're like the fantasy community at large is just ready to throw out. How long has he been in the NBA now? Like eight years? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. You know what? Screw it. We will look it up because it's important to... Uh, 
kind of understand what we're working with here. We know Mason Plumley is a good passing big man and has been pretty much throughout his career, other you know, other the first two years. All right, we're, we're like pushing a decade now. He got into the NBA in 2013. So he's very much, he's at like the 10-year mark coming up. Uh, Mason Plumley's best case scenario was basically like 2016 with the Blazers, where he played 28 minutes a game, averaged 11 and 8 with four assists, a steal, and a block, and shot 57% from the free throw line on four foul shots a game. He gets to the free throw line, folks. It's not, it's not a rarity for him. If he could somehow dodge going to the foul line, this would be a very different discussion. He doesn't. He goes there. He's diving to the rim. He's going to take three to seven free throws pretty much every single ball game. And if you dodge that, which is what happened yesterday, then everybody's like, oh, there we go. Now, I will say this. He had a 39-minute game in Miami and then a 31-minute game yesterday. Those are better numbers for him. It pulls him up towards that 28-minute mark that we talked about in Portland. If he plays 27 to 29 minutes a game, he can probably sneak to around that top 90 range, which is 12-team startable. I don't want to try to... This isn't like the bag on Mason Blumley hour on the show. It's not. But it is the, we need to be realistic about this hour on the show. It's not going to be an hour today, don't worry. He's not going to average 18 and 10. He will probably get the 10. He's not going to average four defensive stats, and he's not going to make his free throws every ball game. But this is what we just saw... So that's why everybody's yelling at me about it. It's fine. If you want to pick him up and roll with it while he's getting these bigger minutes, have at it. He's warm right now. Uh, Charlotte seems to like the way he's been playing. P.J. Washington is like in and out of the doghouse. Nick Richards is deep in the doghouse these days. He's losing his minutes on the floor. If that pivots, though, where Richards comes in, plays better, sees his minutes go up to 18 instead of 14... That changes things quite a bit. So just be aware that the ceiling for Plumlee, the absolute best case scenario, is 75. A very realistic scenario is more like 115-120, which makes him a very useful schedule streamer for big man stats that favor steals over blocks, which is still a useful player, but when I, like, when I put in my tweet storm last night, I'm not picking him up. I'm not going to use him in a roto league right now. I don't trust it. Unless four weeks into the year, I'm like, oh, no, I'm getting buried in rebounds. There's plenty of time. Why don't, I don't, we don't need to jump the gun on anything. Uh, shout out to Kelly Oubre, who's suddenly gotten a little bit better this year. He's up to number 93 now. Giant Steel's game has helped with that. Efficiency's been better for him after kind of bottoming out. And then this one was a really bad shooting game, so it's probably not the right time to talk about that. Uh, but six steals is hard to ignore. That's a really good number. Thank you, Orlando, for just being absolutely terrible at taking care of the basketball uh, and losing again. Jalen Suggs, um, he's a drop, man. He fouled out in 30 minutes. He had five turnovers, shot one of 10 from the field. He's a he's a nine-category disaster. If you are punting everything besides assists and steals, he's fine. But uh, if you're trying to compete in the other seven categories, you're, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. Meanwhile, Mo Bamba got 22 minutes again. I keep trying to quit that dude, and he keeps doing just enough to keep my eye on him. But that's, that's all it is right now. Keep an eye on him. And Chuma Okiki, uh, despite being extremely low usage in this game, he's actually startable while Paolo is out. 
because you figure you're going to get at least two defensive stats out of Chuma and probably a three-pointer. So you get that, like, sort of Danny Greenian, Danny Greenese fantasy line. It's not exciting. It's, it's decidedly meh, but it's it's a top 100 or better type of line pretty reliably if he's starting and playing 30-plus minutes a game. All right, let's let's motor through these things. We had some uh, some broad topic stuff I wanted to hit there at the beginning of the show about recency bias and rest of season projection stew making. Thank you, shout out Carl Weathers. Toronto beat Detroit, one fifteen one eleven. This is a good game for Toronto to basically have nobody healthy for it. OGN and Noby was one of just two regular starters. Scotty Barnes, the other. Um, you know, not surprisingly, OG has slowed down a little bit this year, but he's still been awesome. He's number twenty one. Uh, I do think there's a very real chance he finishes inside the top 40 on a per-game basis. Likely, the defensive stats do come down a little bit for him. Otherwise, Chris Boucher, very safe stream with Otto Porter now also going down. I mean, it's always just a matter of time with Otto. Thad Young started at center. Had a super Thaddeus Young line. 6.6 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Uh, 2 of 4 from the field, 2 of 2 at the free throw line, and 0 turnovers. That's a dude who got you stuff in, like, seven out of nine categories. Isn't that fun? Didn't get you threes, didn't get you points, but he got you league average rebounds, better than average assists, better than average steals, better than average blocks, better than average field goal, better than average free throw, better than average turnovers. I'm all in on a Thad Young stream. It doesn't seem like it's going anywhere because uh, Otto Porter went down also. They just don't have that many, many bodies anymore, and they won against a terrible team, but they won. Delano Bland's the guy I'm sure you guys were all waiting me, for me to talk about. He was monstrous in 25 minutes. Freddie Van Vliet is questionable. He was out with a, uh, a flu. So this is one where I don't think you can take the plunge because Freddie could just pop up at a moment's notice and then whatever you were doing there with Banton, I don't know why I call him Blanton. That's a baseball. Joe Blanton baseball. Whatever you were going to do with Delano then it goes out the window. The safer ones here, Thad and Boucher, because it seems like they have a bit more runway. Meanwhile, on the Detroit side, Marvin Bagley got the start alongside Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah promptly got hurt early in this ballgame. He went down in the second quarter with a foot sprain. And as we've already seen with James Harden, that's a multi-week thing. So we have some questions to answer on the Detroit side. Question number one what's going on in the next one? Does Marvin Bagley start at center as opposed to the sort of twin tower thing? And if so, does he play enough to be fantasy relevant? Marvin Bagley has a terrible, uh, not terrible is not the right word. Marvin Bagley has a suboptimal nine category fantasy game points and rebounds kind of only typically field goal percent is, is kind of fine. Free throw percent has been bad. He turns it over too much for someone of his ability considering he's not going to get many assists. He doesn't block many shots. He doesn't get that many steals. Those will be okay if he's playing 30 minutes of ballgame, but they're not going to be something that carries him. It would have to be carried by just simply existing on the court for full starters minutes. To that end, I think you add him. Is he a streamer? Is he a super streamer? Is he neither? It's not entirely clear yet, but there's kind of nothing in his way. The other question is Jalen Duran, who only played 19 minutes in this game, and it feels like then they just slot him as the backup to Bagley instead of Stewart. If that flips, obviously you make a move quickly. It just doesn't seem like it's gonna. 
So I'll leave that alone. And then Killian Hayes, who was trying to do his best Thaddeus Young impersonation, but from the point guard spot, he's the stream while Cade Cunningham is out. Ugly though it may be, that was actually a really useful fantasy line with four defensive stats and uh, three of six shooting from the field and then kind of, you know, couple of assists, didn't hurt you there, didn't really hurt you in turnovers, just one, didn't hurt you at the foul line, did hurt you in scoring in threes, but you can kind of just deal with that because he was so good at the the steals and, and getting a block out of a guard is also nice. So a uh, number of super streams in this ball game, Hayes, Thad, Boucher, and then uh, Bagley's just a straight ad right now while we see how that thing materializes. Campaign finally stunk it up. You knew he wasn't going to be full Chris Paul every game he was filling in for Chris Paul, but you're using him anytime that Paul is out. I'm expecting we see CP3 before this week is over. I wouldn't make a preemptive drop on Payne, but I do think that we're talking about like one to two, zero to two, possibly games left for him of fantasy value in the short term. So if somebody pops up that has a better shelf life, I think I'd be okay with with you folks moving on it. Max Struess, not good in this one on the Miami side. He played 36 minutes, just kind of couldn't get himself involved. Um, you know, give Phoenix credit. They they did a better job on him, but they didn't do a very good job on Caleb Martin, who hit five three-pointers for all 15 of his points. I think we need to see that again before we do anything with it. Uh, what you don't need to see again is Jimmy Butler to know that he's been very, very good, and that's not going anywhere. Jimmy Butler is number nine friends and confidants on a per-game basis in nine category right now. Having a terrific season, and he's only missed two games so far with the trick hip. <laughs> Gotta call it a trick hip if you're old man style like Jimmy Butler. Kyle Lowry still rolling along in the 60s, folks. Sometimes, man, sometimes you can just blindfold yourself and pick the guys that everybody thinks are boring. You know who's not boring? Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Dude was going in the fourth round, and you know... uh, I got I to gotta give credit on this one to Josh Lloyd. Remember, he came on the podcast and he was like, Shea's not going to start getting drafted earlier because the news of him playing is coming too late during draft season. And he was right. Because remember, Shea, we had the, the injury, the preseason injury. It was like a sprained knee or something like that, where he wasn't going to participate in training camp. Uh, and the sky was falling, admittedly. We're like, oh, no, okay, Oklahoma City, they're pre-tanking. They're going to rest him. And then right up, Right before the season started, maybe like four or five days before, they were like, oh, Shea is actually expected to play in our opener. He's good to go. He didn't have a training camp really, but like, you know, we'll get him his conditioning on the fly. He's playing. And it was too late. His ADP didn't move back up from the fourth round, even though before his injury, he was going late second, early third, which still would have been too late based on what he's doing right now, but it certainly would have been much closer where you're like, oh, I took a guy in the second who's now in the first round. That's what's supposed to happen. Taking a guy in the fourth who's the first overall fantasy, that's not supposed to happen. But some of it was because of that injury. Other interesting stuff on the Oklahoma City side. It's actually ha it's happening. We need the, like, the Michael Scott, it's happening uh, gif here. Alexei Pokushevsky, great again. 16 and 14, a steal in three blocks. The efficiency has been better. The steals and blocks have always kind of been there. He's now number 95 per game on the season, including all of those disaster games to start the year, on the shoulders of 10.6 boards, two and a half defensive stats, okay field goal, terrible free throw numbers, but he didn't really get there very often, and trending up. 
This was a guy who was definitely a pickup last week. Uh, it's sort of like the if it sticks pickup, and it's sticking right now. The other if it sticks guy on the Thunder is Jalen Williams, who had 14-6 and six with a block and a couple of three-pointers. It's kind of like a quiet, not super exciting ball game, and that's totally fine because, you know, it's possible that that buys a little bit more time and they have two Jalen Williamses on that team, which also makes it exceedingly difficult to go digging through this stuff. And they're in that. I mean, this is the rub with Oklahoma City. If you look at Williams' last like 10 games and minutes played, it goes 27, 22. This might be nine games 14, 20, 31, 23, 30, 20, 36. Uh, we have no idea how many minutes this dude's playing on a given night. When he gets 30 minutes plus, he's fantasy relevant. When he doesn't, he isn't because he's not a big steals and blocks guy. He's not a big passer. He's not a great rebounder. He needs to just be out there because he actually has been kind of efficient. He's shooting 55% from the field, 83 at the foul line. He just isn't getting that many chances to do it. So we need, on the Williams front, you're going to see a lot of folks pick him up, and you're probably going to see a lot of folks say to pick him up, and that's actually fine, but just be aware that... If he doesn't get 30 minutes plus, he doesn't make it. On the Boston side, Derek White, Marcus Smart continue to benefit from the absence of Malcolm Brogdon. That's a little bit of a fantasy addition by subtraction, even if it makes the Celtics a little bit worse as a team. Uh, But thank goodness, because we needed Marcus Smart to wake the crap up. He's been a lot better these last couple of games. He's moved himself from the 140 range to the 90s. That's a big jump, thank goodness. And Derek White, um, you know, he he was a guy that we really liked last year, and now he's up to 108 on the season. Very much an ad and a start guy right now. Um, I've been a little bit slow on that one because I wanted to kind of play it safe, but since Brogdon went down, White's minutes haven't been, like, that much higher reliably but it's just the ability to do a little more when he's on the court. He's not having to always pass to someone else. Because when Brogdon's out, and I know this is like, it seems like such a small thing, but like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys are going to soak up most of the usage. But there's going to be something elsewhere. Horford's going to get a couple of shots. Smart is going to get a couple of shots. White is going to get a couple of shots. Grant Williams is going to... But when Brogdon's in there, he's very much the third in the I'm going to get the shot pecking order. Shot clock's winding down. Brogdon's in the mix. When he's not there, his shots really do just get distributed to all these guys that were borderline. It's, it's like the, the big dudes were maxed out already. Tatum, Brown, those guys, you couldn't really add more to what they were doing. So the loss of Brogdon really helps the three or four guys who, and like, you know, for Horford, he doesn't need shots because he does it in in other ways. But for Smart and White, those were guys that really needed like one and a half, two extra shots per ball game. Just that little, little bit. Because with Derek White in particular, and, and Smart, no one's dropping Marcus Smart. He's He's fine. With White, he's on and off of teams, despite the fact that he has one of the best fantasy stat sets for any guard in the NBA provided he actually gets to do stuff with the basketball. 
because he can rebound, he can pass, he gets steals and blocks and hits threes from the guard spot. That's an amazing combo. He's like a new age Patrick Beverly. Doesn't rebound quite the way he did. But if he's scoring like six points a game, then the quiet games where it's six points, two boards, two assists, and a block, it's not going to keep him on a roster. Lately, the good stuff with White is that the quiet game is like, you know, 10-1-4 with a block. 8-8-4 eight, eight, with a block. And the good game is 12-3-4 with two blocks, or 16-1-5 with four steals, like last night. So, again, this is very much a what have you done for me lately, and very much a I don't think he's going to be relevant once Brogdon comes back. But over the last week, despite shooting poorly, Derek White is inside the top 50. His fantasy lines are top 50 style. Good foul shooting, two three-pointers, two defensive stats, four assists, that's above what you'd expect, and very few turnovers. It's just a turnover ratio of about eight and a half to one over that stretch. So Derek White belongs on rosters right now, and I think we can safely say that's the case until Brogdon comes back. And just don't worry, if he has a quiet game that's like, you know, eight points, four boards, two assists, and a block, that's still fantasy useful. Because Derek White is the, is the I'm not going to hurt you type of roto dude. I picked him up in a head-to-head spot. I just I, I thought he'd be a really good fit. And he was. Clippers blew out the Rockets. You can pretty much take this box score and do the Jimmy Butler thing where you crumple it up and throw it in the air. And we move on. Atlanta beat Milwaukee 121-106. Hawks are good, man. Hawks are playing defense this year. Not that Milwaukee is anywhere close to full strength. Uh, Giannis came back and, oh boy. Giannis... Okay, we probably need to do a pause and chat about Giannis. So maybe we'll come back to this one. Sure, we can come back to this one. Because, um, like, you can still... It looks like you can still start Javon Carter, by the way, because Grayson Allen got hurt. Um, I know he's filling in for Drew Holiday. I know, I'm aware. But again, it's about shots. So, take Allen out of the equation. His 8 to 10 shots, whatever he was going to get in this ball game, one or two of those goes to Carter. That keeps him above the water. Marjan Bochamp... Uh, he had a big game, but he shot seven of nine. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're just going to get rebounds and sometimes hit three pointers, I, I can't do the full buy in there. I also expect the Bucks will be starting to get bodies back at some point soon. Um, so I'm at, at this point, if this is this, the roster they're trotting out in the short term, I'll go Javon Carter as my streamer and I'll probably leave it at that. I want to talk about the last game and then I want to come back to Giannis to wrap up today's show. Uh, Warriors beat the Spurs, and it wasn't close. And this, of course, was one of the fears with San Antonio in a five-game week. They're not going to be going full bore every ballgame, and if they're getting whomped, then just nobody's going to play more than 23 minutes. This game wasn't close. Pop pulled the plug. It's a really nice luxury to have when you're actually, when you're, like, hoping that you have a bunch of losses at the end of the year. You can look out for your players a lot more easily. Oh, we're getting our butts kicked? All right, we'll give the first couple minutes of the third quarter. If we don't make a run, that'll be that. Because they've got five games in seven days. I would expect guys to get days off over the course of this week. Um, And if any of your Spurs survived this game fantasy-wise, consider yourself lucky. It would appear as though Jakob Pertl and, like, sorta Keldon Johnson survived it. But, blech. Oh, Charles Bassey. The five-game streamer. He ended up doing okay. Blowouts are great for him. Secured a few extra minutes because of it. And Jordan Poole. Finally, the wake-up call. Holy smokes. It's been a rough go. That moved him from 190 to 140 in one ball game. A big one, mind you. A big one. I know. No Clay Thompson. That's going to help him. But 
Poole's a, a confidence player. So, I mean, if, if this wakes him up and goes on a couple-week run, bodacious. But let's go back and talk about Giannis for a second, and then we'll stick a fork in this podcast and uh, take it on over to social media. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I, I, I would imagine... I want you guys to kind of play along with me here. Oh, I didn't do any promos on today's show, huh? Ah, well, you guys know where to go. Promo free! Promo free! Go leave a five-star review. That's the promo today. Say thanks for not doing any promos, Dan. Here's a five-star review. Giannis Antetokounmpo, you guys probably are not going to believe the thing I'm about to tell you, is ranked in nine category leagues, 54th, 54th. And it's all because of two categories. I mean, yes, he's a sub-average three-point shooter, but like that's not why you drafted him anyway. What you were hoping for, I'm sure, if you drafted Giannis in the first round, is, unless you're punting, like mildly competitive foul shooting? Especially after last year, where Giannis was at 72% at the free throw line, and he was still a punt foul shooter guy, where, you know, if you drafted Giannis with your first round pick, you probably at that point should have just punted free throws, but you didn't have to, because you could have gotten someone like Jimmy Butler with your next pick last year, you could have gone DeMar DeRozan in like the fourth round last year, uh, you could have done like a Chris Middleton fifth or sixth round last season. Uh, Jordan Poole, if you ended up with him. Like, if you had all of those guys, you would have counterbalanced Giannis. With all of those guys right now, like four of the best foul shooters in the NBA, you're like basically average. And you don't want to do that because then you ignore a crap ton of other categories. Right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is having the worst foul shooting weighted this is a weighted number impact season since Andre Drummond seven years ago now Drummond seven years ago was far worse than Giannis this year but then there really hasn't been too many stuff close there was a Drummond season where he got from like 38 percent up to 40 something that's pretty close to what Giannis is doing right now there was like a Dwight Howard year in there where he was at like 58% on super on pretty high volume, like seven or eight a ball game. This is the worst impact category we've seen in free throws since 2015. That's a big, big deal. Now, of course, if you're punting, it's a different, it's a different hamburger. He's number 54, nine cat. He's number eight if you turn off free throw shooting. So yeah, then he's a first rounder. Still, by the way, worth noting. He's not number one if you turn off free throws. He's a first-rounder, but he ain't number one. You know who is? Luka. Didn't see that one coming. Steph is still number two. That's how good he's been, despite being one of the best foul shooters in the NBA. Even if you didn't count free throws, he's still number two. AD, number three. Um, But obviously the big jumpers there are Luka and Giannis, and then as you work your way down the board, like Claxton, Sabonis, Siakam, Jakob Pertl, Clint Capella, guys like that. But that this discussion about Giannis Antetokounmpo, someone's going to see him ranked in the 50s and they're going to say, hey, should I buy low? No, that's not the way this works. He's Giannis. Whoever has him now is fully aware that they simply won't win free throws in a given week unless they've built every single player on their team around him as 
best foul shooters in the NBA. And of course, the problem is you can't get any of those first rounder dudes because you spent your first round pick on Giannis. Second round pick, you know, like a Desmond Bain would have been really helpful right now. DeRozan would be really helpful. Those guys don't still don't get you out of the Giannis hole. You're going to need, oh boy, who the heck are you going to pull out of the mid-rounds here to get this thing done? There aren't that many choices. Boyan Bogdanovich, if you throw him on top of that, that would get you close. Of course, you can't have anyone else who's a negative. Giannis has got to be the only one, so I don't know where you're going to get the rest of your big man stats. This is why, when we talk about this stuff, and, and remember, Steven Vidovich, our director of content, he and I did a YouTube video before the season started where we talked about possible first-round guys as letdowns, and he said Giannis, and the comment section on that YouTube was just like, you're an idiot. They're like, oh, well, I, you know, I punt free throws. No way Giannis would be a first-round bust. Yeah, that's the point. It's nine cat. If you're trying to compete in all nine categories, this is why it's really hard to trust those guys. What Luka's doing this year is extraordinary because he's been bad at foul shooting, and he's still number seven. I still think those two steals per game come way down for him, but, you know, we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. So that's why when you take a guy like Giannis in the first round, you lock yourself into a particular build, and there's just, like, no escaping it. If you don't get six of the other nine categories, you're you're in real trouble. Now, if you pull it off, you're damn near unbeatable. It's like shooting the moon in hearts. Like, once, once you've done it, if you get the guys, you're going to be pretty tough to stop. But if you don't, your season's kind of cooked, like on pick two. All right. Like I said, no promos today. So uh, the promo is go leave a five-star review. There's my, you know, I'll put a little heart emoji on that. I will love you forever. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Make sure to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter for lightning fast fantasy updates with free analysis. Oh, by the way, Drew Holiday uh, practiced today. Just saw that come flying by the radar as we're closing up shop. So, uh, boink. And then Tyler Hero uh, already ruled out for tomorrow. So, chance for a Max Drews bounce back. But we can talk about that tomorrow. We can talk about all that on social media. I am, again, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S over on the Twitter. So long as it hangs in there. Hang in there, sweet Twitter. We need you. Got to get the information out to the people. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy the card. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. So long.